Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Welcome. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, we are a community of Jesus followers. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the true king of this world. We believe in the gospel. We believe the gospel is not merely good advice, but it's good news. It's good news. You know, back in ancient times, uh, when a battle was fought, when the victor won, they would send something, send people out, they'd send heralds, and they called them evangelists. And what they would do is they would go and they would spread the gospel that a victory had been won, and because this victory has been won, you're now part of a new kingdom. Y'all, the gospel is not just things to apply to your life. The gospel is a complete uh, undoing of your life and a giving of something fresh and something new. We believe that Jesus came and he lived a life nobody could ever live, a perfect life. How do you define a perfect life? What is perfect? You think you're perfect? <laughs> Remember the Titans, joke landed. Uh, Jesus taught that to sum up all the laws of God is to love God and to love others. That means to give glory to God and be good to your neighbors. Give glory to God, be good to your neighbors. If everything you do doesn't fall into those two categories, which let's just assume you don't believe in God. Maybe we could agree that being good to our neighbors is a good thing, amen? See, what Jesus taught is that to give God glory meant that you were good to your neighbors, that you loved the people around you. I believe that Jesus came and he was the greatest teacher and the greatest uh, leader who's ever lived. He modeled something called servant leadership. Look at this verse the Apostle Paul wrote uh, about the person of Jesus. He said that Jesus, although being God himself, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he lowered himself to the form of a servant, even a slave, that he might serve us. And so to be great in the kingdom of God means you have to what? Serve. Jesus lived a life that we could never live. James Stewart, he's a Scottish theologian, he said this, he said, he saved others, yet the last himself he did not save. We believe God has a, a holy standard of living that we've all fallen short of. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How do we define that? It's not just being a good person. That's never gonna be enough. Can I tell you the truth? Being a good person is never going to be enough for your life. Why? Because you will let yourself down every time. <laughs> that is a fact. And so being a Christian is not about giving in to social pressure it's not about getting it right all the time. It's about an indwelling in a relationship with God. And that as you walk with God, he'll teach you more and more to love the way that, that he did. We believe that Jesus came and that he was God with skin on. Jesus was not just another person. He was not just another good teacher, but he was God himself. And he came from heaven to earth to live a life we could never live, to give glory to God and be good to our neighbors all the time.
You know, as the story goes, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar, uh, Jesus did not have a lot of fans in the religious community because he was hanging out with people that they said he shouldn't have been around. People who struggled, people who had things like an alcohol addiction, people who sold themselves, sold themselves prostitutes. And they actually said that he was a sinner, but, but actually he was a friend of sinners. If God himself came to be a friend of sinners, what should the community of Jesus look like? We should be people who are friends of sinners. And what happened was, is they got upset because he was teaching in a different way. He was living in a totally different way. And they crucified him. They used the power of the day, the Roman Empire, and they, they crucified Jesus. And his followers were scattered. Something bad had happened, and his followers scattered. But the story didn't end there. We believe that on the third day, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. This is not uh, theoretical. We believe Jesus was physically resurrected from the dead. We believe that because of that, the curse of sin no longer binds those who believe in his name and in his story. And we believe those people who have been fully restored to relationship with God are creator. And the best part is that eternity with God doesn't start with when you die. Eternity with God starts today. It starts the moment that you enter into a relationship of faith with Jesus. We believe the call of a Jesus follower is to truly follow after Jesus. What does that mean? That means we give glory to our God and we're good to our neighbor, amen. But the call is not just to give part of our lives, it's to give our whole life. You know, we've been studying Romans 2, or chapter 12, verses one and two the past few weeks. Have you all noticed that? That's all we've been doing. <laughs> Romans 12, one and two. Says that we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. We're gonna study that some more today. But a living sacrifice, that's our whole life that he's called us to give. We believe that by doing that, we walk in his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, two. Have you ever wondered what God, God's will is for your life? Anybody ever wondered that? It's okay to raise your hand. I know it's a little somber. I knew that going into this. That's okay. Anybody ever wondered that? What's God's will for your life? Hopefully everyone. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't even care. I hope that's not you. We believe that he's a good leader. He's the best. He doesn't lord authority over us, but he, he leads us. He doesn't lord over us like the world does. They make you do things. He wants to lead you into life, not just to please himself, although that pleases him, but for our good. Romans 8, 28 says that we know God works all things, everybody say all things, to the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. So, if all these things are true, which I submit to you that they are, if God really is that good, if God really came from heaven to earth to live a life that we could never live ourselves, to go to a criminal's cross and give us the crown of Christ, to go to the cross we deserve and give us the glory that he deserved, the word says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If God is that good, if God loves you that much that he moved heaven and earth for your life, do you think he's gonna leave you with no plan? 
Do you think God's gonna abandon you where you're at? No way. He's too good. And he's got a plan for you. Listen to me, every one of you guys. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for you. And his plan and his purposes are good. They don't always make sense, but they're good. And so what is God's will for your life? That's what we're gonna talk about today. But let me tell you the truth. There's one thing that's very important before we do that. Is if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're missing his first plan. His first plan, God's ultimate will is that he would have a relationship with you. Because he loves you that much. He loves you so much that he moved heaven and earth. And here's what I know. I know the odds are there's someone in here who's not confident that they have a relationship with God. The scripture says that we boldly approach the throne of God. Why? Because we're his kids. He loves us. And he's called you. So can everybody bow your heads across the room? If there's anybody in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're trying to figure out what God's plan is for your life, what his purpose is for your life. And you just wanna start with a relationship with him. I just, nobody's looking around, it's just me, you, and God. I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. If you're not confident in your relationship with him, you don't know what's gonna happen, where you're going. Okay, let's pray together, amazing. God, we thank you that you're immeasurably good. God, we thank you that you're immeasurably kind. We thank you that you love us. Y'all, let's pray this together. It's your profession of faith. Say, Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you called me, that you moved heaven and earth for me. God, I thank you for your salvation. I accept it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to read a verse to you. It's in Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the message paraphrase. I'm going to, I'm going to read a translation in a moment. We're going to start with a paraphrase. Here's what it says. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Could you put up uh, Romans 12? Verse two, Romans 12, two, not in the message, the, the new living. There we go. That's the NIV. That'll work too. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what's the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's powerful and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that this morning you just give us a glimpse into what your will is for our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. James, I'll see you in 10 minutes or so.
Thank you. Everybody put your hands together for James. Y'all want to see a meme real quick? Okay, cool. We'll lighten the tension. I think they got it. There we go. Uh, me and Callie were talking about this this week. Men be like, where's the ketchup? <laughs> but you also see like a buck across the canyon. Anybody in here, uh, wives, you have to find stuff for your husbands all the time? Anybody? Raise your hand proudly. My wife's hand is raised. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's good. Uh, Callie is constantly saying this phrase. There's no way you looked, right? Like, there's no way you looked for that. It, it was plain as day. But I did look, and I couldn't see it. But, man, I can find some minute details around this church, let me tell you. Uh, this week, Callie and I, uh, we've been praying and seeking God on some things. And I was prepping this sermon and felt like God had laid a word in my heart. And uh, I like to always have a story to go along with the word. If you haven't figured out my process yet, I usually read a scripture, and then I tell you a story. And then we go back to the word, right? That's what I do every week. Uh, so this week, I've been trying to figure out what, what story, what illustration am I going to give? God, I, I need a story. My, my message title this morning, I, I have three titles. Are you ready for this? Uh, it's, it starts with me. That's the mini-series we've been kind of doing. Uh, what to do when you don't know what to do. And what's really important, okay? So those are the three titles. It starts with me, what to do when you don't know what to do, and what's really important. And so I was like, okay, God, I need a story of when I don't didn't know what to do, and I just always know what to do, guys. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I couldn't think of anything. And uh, on Friday, that's not true. I just couldn't think of a story. And uh, God had other plans. And on Friday or Thursday, I don't know what. I don't even know what day it is now. It's Sunday. I'm kidding. Uh, Thursday, I think uh, Georgia, our daughter, she got home from daycare, and she's happy. Our our baby is a happy baby. We are blessed, um, and she's crawling around. And we noticed she was a little warm. And so we took her temperature, it was like 99.8, and we kept taking her temperature over the next half hour, and it went from 99.8 to 100 to 100.8 to 101.2, 101.9, 102, 103, uh, within 30 minutes. And so Callie and I are sitting there, new parents, and we're totally calm. No. We panicked, right? Callie's freaking out. Uh, she's got her head in the refrigerator for no reason. We don't even know what she's doing in there. Uh, we're trying to figure out what to do with Georgia. We wanted to put her in the bath, but she has a fracture on her leg, so we couldn't put her in the bath to bring down the temperature. And so me, uh, I found a vent, and I put her on top of a vent, and so she had a total meltdown, right? So I've got two uh, ladies in the house having full-on meltdowns. My wife, who's upset that Georgia's upset. <laughs> Georgia, who's upset because she's freezing. She doesn't know why. And so we started calling people. Uh, we called her sister, and then finally we called MedExpress, and they said, take her to the hospital. <laughs> And so I still didn't want to do it. And so I called Lemetria, and I said, Lemetria, what should I do? And she goes, I think you need to take her to the hospital. And I was like, Lemetria, I'd like another option from you. Uh, did I not? <laughs> Why don't you make a call or two for me, Lemetria, and see if we can avoid this emergency room. And uh, she goes, oh, oh, okay. She called me back about three minutes later and said, I, I think maybe you should take her to the ER. And so uh, we took her to the ER, and turned out she just had a cold, uh, nothing serious. Uh, she just had a minor cold, so stay away from me a little bit this week. Uh, no COVID, praise God. Everybody said amen. Uh, and so, you know, it occurred to me that a few things happened during this. One, uh, I didn't pray. That's right. Uh, the pastor didn't stop and pray. And uh, it took me a little while to call the experts. 
I wonder if you've noticed in your life when you don't know what to do, it often takes you a long time to do the basics, right? <laughs> like call somebody for advice or maybe take some time and pray. You know, we, we believe that, that God does have a will. God does have a plan for our life. And I love what it says in here. It says embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. You know, I wonder when it comes to finding God's will in our life, if more often than not, we're more focused on what we want than what God wants. I wonder when you're seeking God's will, if you're more focused on what will make you happy or what will please God. You know, it occurred to me this week, Callie and I have been praying and fasting and seeking God for some things. And uh, the first week I prayed and, uh, you know, came to some conclusions. We were talking through it. And then as we talked, I realized, and, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me, uh, I had never stopped and asked God, God, what would give you the most pleasure? God, what would make you the happiest? I spent the whole time saying, God, this is what I want. This is what's going to please me. And so therefore, that's your will, right? Right? Anybody else been guilty of this? <laughs> Why do we do that? Because often we sit on the throne of our own lives and we don't even realize it. The narrative of the scripture is certainly not that God doesn't call us to do hard things. <laughs> we could go through stories, right? Moses did not want to go back to Egypt. I'm just telling you. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh so bad that he tried to escape on a boat, right? But God's will for him was to go. I wonder in your prayer life how much, you time spend, how much time you spend saying, God, what will please you? My first point this morning is we've got to ask God what pleases him. We've got to know what pleases God. It says in Romans 12 too, it says, then we'll know the good, what? Pleasing and perfect will. The good, pleasing, and perfect will. When was the last time you made your decisions in life through what would please God? So why do we not ask God that? <laughs> let's, just, let's just get the elephant here in the room. It's because we're afraid he's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do, right? It's the same reason you didn't want your parents' advice growing up. But here's what I've learned. God is immeasurably good. God is immeasurably kind. And he will not lead us into things that will not produce fruit. If God is leading you, it's because he's going to do something through it. And so here's what we've got to do. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you missed the message, uh, we, we did a, a message on Romans 12.1, and we talked about being a living sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice means we, we bring God our whole life. Let me tell you something. This Christian thing is not a partial thing. God's asking for everything, a living sacrifice. The, the image of that is crawling up on the altar and giving your life to God. We said it a few weeks ago, the problem with a living sacrifice is it likes to crawl off the altar, right? We gotta crawl back up there, but what fuels us back onto the altar? It's grace. It's the goodness of God. Y'all, I am convinced that God's will is good and it's gonna bring about his glory. Y'all, God is not gonna do something in your life that's gonna defame his name. Why? God upholds his name. His name is important. He wants you to do things that are going to bring glory to his name. 
Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What does this world do? We do things based on what we feel. Your feelings are a liar. They will lie to you. <laughs> they lie to you every day. If your feelings are your authority, if your feelings are your ultimate authority, you will look back every two years and say, I was a fool. I promise you. Anybody who's older than maybe 15. Because <laughs> when you're 15, you realize when I was 12, I was a fool. <laughs> but I'm not now. That's why we have the scripture as our authority. It must be our authority. Why? We need something to guide us in our life because our feelings will lie to us. Y'all, can I pastor you for a second? Our chief concern when coming to church cannot be what gives us pleasure, but what gives God glory. It's two things that lead to boarded up churches. Bad leadership, that's usually the case. But I think sometimes it could also be in America that we're more focused on our... Uh, likes and our dislikes than we are the glory of God. Y'all, I, I heard somebody talking about this recently, and ooh, it got me. This is why we started the prayer meeting on Wednesday. He said, if the prayer meeting is boring to you, you're missing the point. Prayer is not to entertain us, it's to hear from God. What's more important than that, especially in the days that we're in? What's happening in the world? We don't know, right? We need to hear from God more than ever. You know, our chief concern when attending church, when being a part of the body of Jesus Christ, should not be what pleases us, but what pleases him. But listen to me. Where God is the most pleased, write this down. Where God is the most pleased, you will be the most fulfilled. God does not move heaven and earth to make you miserable. <laughs> The scripture says that he gives us the desires of our heart. The way I read that is he places desires within me. And when I have desires, I've got to figure out, is this something God's placed within me or is this just what I want? Where he is most pleased, we're most fulfilled. It's his glory, y'all. It's his glory. It is his glory that will fill our lives. So number one, what pleases him? Number two, what has he entrusted you with? I kind of want to do a whole series on this, and, and maybe later we will. Uh, Romans 12, 4 through 6. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Your gifts are not just for you. Your gifts are for the people around you. God has entrusted you with gifts. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What has God entrusted you with? Listen to me. Some of you right now, you're thinking, God hasn't given me any gifts. God does not move heaven and earth to not equip you to have an effective life. What has God equipped you with? Are you a good servant? Do you just love taking care of the needs of people? Do you have a heart of mercy? Do you just love to hear from people? 
Do you have wisdom? Are you a good business owner? Are you an entrepreneur? Guess what? <laughs> People need to have practical skills to do well in life. Fitz Hill will take you down to Saint John, uh, uh, Spanish John's. Those are kids who need practical skills in their life. Business owners, entrepreneurs, let me challenge you. Meet Fitz. Ask him, how can I use my gifts? Knowing how to build a business, knowing how to lead a team, y'all, that helps people. That's a gift. That's called leadership. God's gifted some of us with leadership. God's gifted some of us with teaching. Austin McCaskill should be up here preaching and not me. He hates that I'm pointing him out, but he's right back here. He hates this. <laughs> I love you. I do. You're a gift to God, to me and my family. You and Beverly both are. Uh, he leads our, our midweek Bible study alongside of me. Uh, and really what that is is that's me tricking him uh, into actually leading it. And uh, he's teaching the word. And so uh, what has God entrusted you with? Listen, in, in order to walk in the will of God, you got to know who you are. Yo, nobody is, yo, we live in the, the age of, of self-discovery, self-care, right? We live in the age of self-discovery, self-care. Everybody's trying to figure out who you are, y'all. Who better to teach you who you are than the one who designed you and created you and breathed life into your lungs? What's he entrusted you with? So number one, what pleases him? Not the joke I made earlier. <laughs> number two, <laughs> what has he entrusted you with? Number three, what's your assignment? What has he assigned you to? I'm in a season. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? Any Christians? If you're a Christian long enough, you'll hear somebody say, I'm just in a, God's got me in a season. What does that mean? That means that you hate your season. <laughs> God has you on assignment. He doesn't have you in a season. He doesn't waste a moment. God has assigned you to the place that you're in. And if you hate your job and you're just waiting for God to move you, you're missing your assignment. You're not in a season. You're on assignment. You're on mission from Jesus Christ, the king of this world. What a better place to be. What better place to live. What has he assigned you to do in the season that you're in? That's my challenge to you. You want to know what God's will is for you. What has he gifted you with? What pleases him? And because of his pleasure in the giftings he's given you, he will give you assignments in the season that you're in. And God will not ask you to do things that he will not equip you to do. He will ask you to do things you don't like. He will ask you to do things that make you uncomfortable. And those things will bring glory to his life and they will fulfill you more than you've ever been fulfilled. Will it be easy? No, but it'll be good. It'll be good. And you'll have joy. You know, there is no greater joy in life than walking in the purposes of God. What's God's chief purpose? People. Jesus is our king. People are our purpose, and heaven on earth is the goal. What does that mean? We want to see the culture of heaven break into our world today. What does heaven breaking into your workspace look like, and what's the assignment God's given you to do it? So that's part one, if it starts with me. Uh, what to do when you don't know what to do. What's really important? That was the what's really important part. <laughs> what pleases God? What has he entrusted you with? And what assignment has he given you? And then three things to do when you don't know what to do. Some of you guys are in here and you're like, I don't know my gifts. I don't know what assignment I'm on, but I want to know. Three things to do. Number one, 
love your neighbor. Romans 12, 9 and 10, it says, don't pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what's good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. This makes me think of Mountain Man, this next one. Psalm 101, verse 5, it says, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Oof. <laughs> Let that seek in for a second. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit or pride. This week, um, myself, some of the prayer team, uh, were praying for God to move in a miraculous way. Uh, he did. He didn't answer the prayer in the way that we, we had hoped he would. Um, but he healed. Look at this. Mark 11, 22 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, I see you move, up, you move the mountains, right? You can move this mountain. May you be, if you say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. For I tell you, you can pray for anything if you, and you've received it and it'll be yours. Another translation says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. But look at this, verse 25. This is what I want you to notice. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. I'd never noticed in all my years of believing God for miraculous things, he said, I'll do amazing things, but first be active in healing the relationships in your life. God's first miracle always happens in the lives of people, happens in the hearts. Do you wanna be clean in your life? Y'all release, release grudges, forgive people. What better time to forgive people? And in doing that, you love your neighbor. So what's that mean to you? I don't know. What to do when you don't know what to do. Number one, love your neighbor. Number two, work hard. Everybody say work hard. Work hard. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I don't think I have to talk about that a lot, but we believe that good work is an act of love. And when you work hard, you're loving your neighbor. Uh, number three, this is the last thing. Rejoice, be patient, and pray. Rejoice, be patient, and pray. Romans 12, 12 says, we rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Y'all listen, what, what are you rejoicing for? Is rejoicing an active part of your life? Something that God's called us to do, right? In all seasons, we can rejoice. Y'all listen, here's what I do. When I can't find something to rejoice or be positive about, I thank God for the cross. Every time. I thank God that he sent Jesus. I thank you that he gave me a relationship with him. I always go back to the beginning. Why? Read the Old Testament. They're continually telling the Israelites, remember what I've done. Why? Because you're going to have times where you feel like you're trapped in a cave like David. And you're saying, God, where are you? He's been faithful before. He'll be faithful again so we can rejoice. Be patient. Y'all, God works in his timing, not ours. That is the hardest thing. But let me ask you a question. How's your timing work out for you? <laughs> God's timing is the best timing. God's good. 
He can work through our impatience. I'm one of the most impatient human beings on the planet. Lemetria, there's gotta be another option than me waiting in the emergency room. (laughs) Can you find it for me? (laughs) It's impatience. Rejoice, be patient, be still, and know that I'm God. Y'all, it's in the stillness. It's in the patience that God speaks, and he wants to speak to you. And the last thing is pray. Y'all, we've gotta be a people of prayer. What to do when you don't know what to do? Love others. Just love them. Love your neighbor. Don't talk bad about them. That's usually an easy place to start. You know you got an annoying neighbor. <laughs> Lemetria said this to me a few weeks ago. She said, uh, that person who's bothering you, that's Jesus to you. Giving you an opportunity. I didn't like that, but it was true. Love your neighbor. Work hard. Work hard. Whatever God's put in your hand, work hard. Rejoice. Be patient and pray. Yo, we pray up here on Wednesdays. Uh, this week, Callie will be up here. I'll be on Zoom. Uh, I got a meeting in Conway, but I'm going to step out and pray. And so you can come up here. It'll be clean. It'll be socially distanced. Uh, also, are y'all praying today? What time? 1.30. Okay, so they're going to be praying 1.30 where? At Nexus Coffee and Creative downtown. Go down there. Maybe Amy will give you some coffee. I don't know. Pray. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, a good place to start is with prayer. Yo, I believe God loves you too much and he's too good to not speak to you and, and lead you in your life. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.